You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Judges chapter, Judges chapter 4. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. This is a cycle that you see the children of Israel going through often. Um, they obey the Lord and they're blessed and they rebel against the Lord and they experience the chastisement and judgment of God. And it's good to remember God loves you as his child. God loves you way too much to let you just live your life as his child however you want to. Right. Yep. You know, he, his chastisement and his discipline are not a demonstration of him throwing a temper tantrum. It's a demonstration that he loves you way too much to let you live a rebellious life without intervening in that. And so you have this cycle of correction and oppression that was allowed because of their disobedience. So back in verse two, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, For he, referring to Sisera and Jabin, he had 900 chariots of iron, which would have given them a great military advantage in that day. And 20 years, he didn't just oppress the children of Israel, he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. Aren't you thankful that even after repeated rebellion, God is still merciful and we can still cry out to him? And it doesn't matter how many times you've been at this altar asking God to forgive you. You can come one more time because the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't have a ceiling on how many times you can benefit from that grace and that forgiveness. Mm. Number four, and Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of of uh, Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and Mount Ephraim and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment and she sent and called Barak the son of Abinoam out of Kadesh Naphtali and said unto him, hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded saying, go and draw toward Mount Tabor and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun. And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude. And I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee. Not, now get this, please. Notwithstanding, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And so Barak, in beginning in verse 10, follows the instructions. Down in verse number 18, we're introduced to one of my favorite Bible characters in all of Scripture. Scripture. Jail and the nail. You say the Bible's not interesting. No, you just don't read it. Because this sister gives this dude a glass of milk while he's on the run. Like, here, just lay down, buddy, and take a nap. And then drives that spike through his temples, nailing him to their tent floor. Man, that's what I call a housewife, amen? You don't mess 
You think the, man, housewife. Yeah, don't mess with these mamas. And God is working. It delivers, delivers the enemy of God to this woman named Jael. Look at verse number 22. And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him. And said unto him, come and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. Forgive my imagination, but I love going into places where they have deer and moose and elk mounted to the wall. She's like, hey, come here, I'll show you my mount. <laughs> okay, sorry, you didn't get, maybe that was a little too much. But. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead and the nail was in his temples. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So here's the thought tonight. Faith to be unnoticed. Faith to be unnoticed. Father, I'm so thankful for the work that you let us be a part of. And God is... It's awesome to get to be your child and just, Lord, I meant to say something about it and I'll just mention it now to you directly in front of your people. I love singing the songs about being saved and redeemed. God, I hope your people never get over the day, the moment when they trusted in Jesus Christ and they're still your child. And then a song about nail it to the cross. God, I'm so thankful that we can, that that we don't have to do anything to be saved and that we benefit from that eternal flow of grace every day. God, I'm so thankful for the forgiveness and the cleanliness, spiritual and eternal cleanliness that we have through Jesus Christ. God, it's good to be saved. We thank you for it. But God, we also thank you that we get to be, after we're saved, placed into your work. And Lord, the truth is a lot of what needs to happen at a church will happen. It must happen without recognition. And so, Father, that's, that's not an indictment. That's not a slight on anyone. It's just the nature of it. And I believe here we have an example of someone who was used in a mighty way, who wasn't concerned with who, who got to headline the event. They just wanted to be used of God. And so I pray that you would help us to understand an an obvious truth and just to be encouraged with it. Lord, I believe you're going to do, and you are doing, you have done, and you will do great things at this church. But this is something that that has to be remembered through the grind and the difficulty and in the routine labor that must take place. This truth has to be remembered, Father. So help us to help us to consider it, to consider where we might struggle with it. And may it encourage your people to continue serving faithfully in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. I've grown up playing sports. um, And uh, I love several sports. Just studying the games, understanding the games, being a part of the games, whether as a player, a coach, or a fan. 
And uh, one of the primary sports that I grew up around was basketball. My mom was a very good high school basketball coach and had a lot of success in that for many years. And I grew up playing. And I remember when I was in elementary, junior high, that age, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. um, the, The school that I went to had a high school team that had two players on it that were really, really good players. And uh, I'll just, for the sake of respect and courteousness, we'll just say that their names were Bill and Bob. And it's not their actual names, but Bill and Bob were excellent players. Both of them had a unique skill set when it came to basketball. One of them was ridiculously quick, had great handles, could dribble the basketball really well, could penetrate, drive, was, had great court vision. The other one was an incredible spot-up shooter, was really good at moving without the ball. And so you had Bill, who is a great penetrator, driver, could handle the ball. You had Um, Who did I say? Is this Bill? You had Bob. Okay, that was Bob. This is Bill over here. He would move without the ball. Was a great score. And uh, that particular team, that makeup of that team, they won a lot of games. And it was really fun getting to watch them just as a student and someone who was young and wanting to eventually play on the varsity team and getting to watch them and, and seeing all the people that came to watch them and just kind of how, how you are as a kid and you're looking forward to the day when you can be on the court and you can be on the varsity team. It was so much fun to watch them. But I also saw something very interesting happen. happen. You had Bob over, over here. His primary concern was this. I just want our team to win. He didn't really care about how many points he scored. He didn't care about how many assists he had. He wasn't really concerned about his personal stats. The only thing that really mattered to Bob at the end of the game was what team had won. And he wanted his team to win. And whatever he needed to do, whatever he needed to sacrifice, whatever plays he needed to make, however he needed to push himself, he was willing to do that. He didn't care about what his stat line was. He just wanted the team to win. But then you had Bill, and I literally saw this happen. You had Bill over here who, as soon as the game was over, his mom was making a beeline to the scorer's table to find out how many points her son had scored. In comparison, sometimes, to how many points Bob had scored. You see, you had one guy, this is what he he was concerned about. How is the team doing? Then you have this guy over here. This is what he's concerned about. Are my stats being recognized? And am I being valued? You see, he wasn't wasn't satisfied just just being recognized as as a significant part of the team. He was more interested in personal recognition than he was in understanding. Man, it's just really cool that I get to be a part of something special. It's just amazing that I have any spot on this team and I get to be a regular starter and I'm playing all kinds of minutes. It wasn't enough for him to just be a part of the team. He wanted to, he, he at least his, his mom and even him to a degree, wanted to make sure that he was recognized and his stats were recognized as being better or equal to others on that team. As we've already talked about, Israel's sin and judgment has come. And Israel cries out in verse number three. I'm so thankful for mercy. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm so thankful that if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive over and over and over. I'm thankful for that. Well, God speaks 
through a prophetess named Deborah. I want to talk about her for just a moment. There are other examples in scripture of prophetesses. They understand they were the exception rather than the rule. And it's not the same thing as pastors. The Bible is very clear on this. That only a man, a male, and God decided what you were at birth. Only men are to be pastors in within the body of a local New Testament church. And that has nothing to do with value or worth. It has to do with the design of God. It doesn't make any man better than any other man or any man better than any woman. It's just the design of God. And so here he chooses to use this woman, Deborah, as a prophetess. This would be the exception, not the rule. But this woman, as were other women, were used by God for specific purposes. And Deborah here was used, was stirred up, was used by God to give direction to the people of God, and in particular to this man named Barak, in about how God was going to give deliverance to his people. Now, this has nothing to do with women's power. It has to do about the willingness of a woman being used of God. And honestly, if you're going to look at this in any way, you ought to, you ought to be asking yourself this question, where were the men that were willing to be used? And so you have this woman who is walking with God and she is hearing from God and she's being willing to be used of God. And God speaks to her with a message, with a message for Barak about how God is going to deliver his people. So this was Deborah's message beginning in verse number six. She tells Barak to assemble the army from the two tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun in verse number six. After that, you're going to take them and you're going to go to a specific location. And there, God is going to bring the, the armies of Sisera, the armies by extension of Jabin. God is going to bring these armies with their 900 chariots that would be like having tanks facing ground troops. He's going to take those armies. He's going to lead them to you. And you don't have to understand how he's going to do it. But God is going to give you the victory. And God is very effective at giving his people victory when he chooses to. But then she warns Barak in verse number nine that the glory will not be yours. But God is going to use in verse number nine at the end, he'll deliver Sisera or sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Now you read about the battle, you read in verse number 15, the Lord discomfited Sisera. You read, I love this, in verse number 16, but Barak pursued after the chariots. Don't get this idea that Barak is some kind of pansy or some kind of sissy. No, this is, this is a dude. And, and, and we're, not talking about, we're not talking about lobbing things from a great distance off. We're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat against an army that seems to be significantly superior to you. And you are leading your army, your men of foot soldiers out against these 900 chariots and all of the other, uh, all of the other resources they have. And you begin to have victory, but you're not content with just a victory in a battle. You begin to pursue them. This is a strong, courageous, manly, God-fearing leader of men. Can I say it this way? This dude's a stud. And he is facing this battle with courage and with faith in the God who had told him to go fight it. Barak showed great 
courage in the battle. And God honored that. You look down at verse number 23. So God subdued on that day, Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And Barak got to be in the front line, leading the people to accomplish that victory. But that wasn't his only act of faith. It was the most obvious act of faith, but it wasn't the only important act of faith. Now you say, how, how important was his faith? You go to Hebrews 11, we won't turn there, but you look down in Hebrews 11 verse 32, his name is mentioned. It doesn't go into detail about all of the reasons why, but just the fact that the eternal God found it worthy of putting his name in the eternal record should tell you this man's faith was serious. And you see the obvious demonstration of faith, taking an army and maybe an outnumbered army and going against a foe that has oppressed you for 20 years. And that is superior to you based on their artillery and their weaponry. You have the courage and the faith in God to go face them. That is an obvious act of faith, but it's not the only act of faith. To understand this, you have to understand that women were not held in positions of esteem in the ancient Middle East. Now, please get this. Just because the Bible records how things were does not mean the Bible is endorsing everything about how things were. And by the way, for everyone that would buy into an agenda that is godless and that, fall, and that paints a false narrative that biblical Christianity is oppressive to women and to men for that general, in, in, for that matter, you need to understand that Jesus Christ did more than any, any other person to elevate the status of women in culture. He loved them. He, they ministered to him. He delivered important messages to them. In fact, the greatest news that's ever been delivered that Jesus rose again was delivered first to a lady. Mm. Jesus has elevated women throughout history. But there were many seasons, as there are today, when women were not viewed the right way or valued the right way. Just consider some other examples. The treatment of Lot's daughters. Just how a father thought. Think about the treatment of women. You can go to the end of Judges and read just a terrible story about how a woman was dealt with. Let me give you a quote about this particular case here with Barak. To enter into the force of this, we must remember the humble and almost downtrodden position of women in the East. So that it could hardly fail to be a humiliation to a great warrior to be told that the chief glory would fall to a woman. And the view is this, that a normal general would have, a normal thinking general would have never agreed to lead an army and then to allow the glory to go to a woman. Not only would he think that not fair because he's the one that's leading the army, but just the general view of the day of women is that they are something less than men. Now look, men and women are different and created for different purposes, but they are, they are not unequal in this. They all have value with God. They all, both men and women matter to God. Men can't do the same things as women. Women can't do the same things as men, but they both have value to God. But in that day, they would have looked at a woman and said, there's no way I am sharing my glory as a soldier, as a man, as a general, as a warrior. No way I am sharing it with anyone, especially a woman. 
So Barak receives the direction from Deborah as from God. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say to Deborah, you're a woman. Who are you to tell me what God wants? He recognized, man, God's speaking through her. You get it? Look, look in verse number five. I'm not sure we all do. She sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, hath not. And then in verse number eight, I love what Barak says. If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. He doesn't, he has no problem with the fact that God is choosing to use this prophet as to give him direction. He just wants to be certain of this, that God is going to be with us. And it was obvious that God was with her. And so if you'll be with me, that is another affirmation that God is with me. And then I'll be willing to go. Barak accepted that the glory of the victory would belong to a woman. He didn't have the attitude that I'll not share this glory. And he, he didn't just accept it, but based on his request for Deborah's presence and his obedience, those issues were not even a concern to him. Okay, so just the way my mind works, I imagine after the battle's over, CNN's doing an interview. And you know how they are because they're always fair and concerned about the truth. They always ask questions in a way to really get to the heart of the matter. And so they say, okay, so Barak, aren't you concerned about a woman prophetess giving commands to you? Aren't you concerned that a woman in a tent, you know, you got a homemakers, you got a housewife, you got a tent wife. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Aren't you concerned that you, this mighty general, would have to share your glory with someone of such a humble occupation of such a humble status in society. Now, this isn't exactly how his, he said it, but this was his, this is what his actions demonstrate. This would have been his response. You know, I am concerned about some things. Number one, I'm concerned about our armies having the power of God. We've been under oppression for 20 years. No, we've been under oppression for 20 years. We have been living without the power of God and we have been subjected to the oppressive power of an enemy. I'm concerned, number one, that we have the power of God. I am concerned about the purpose of God being fulfilled in the lives of our people. You know, we believe in the promises that God gave to Abraham and God gave to Moses and God carried on through leaders that led our nation to accomplish great things in the past. And I happen to believe that God still has a purpose for his people. And yet for these last 20 years, we have been living under this oppression, not living up to the expectations that God created us for and the purpose that he wants to accomplish. I'm really concerned about us living out that purpose. I'm concerned about the people of God being helped. You know, I can show you this picture of this family over here who's been living under oppression. I can show you this picture over here of this family's children who were brutally killed in some kind of invasion by this army. I can show you a picture of this widow whose husband's life was taken just trying to defend his family. You know, you know, I am concerned. I'm concerned about helping Helping individuals have healing and know the work of God in their life. You know what I'm not concerned about? I'm not concerned about who gets the credit for it. I'm concerned about God working on behalf of his people. That's what I'm concerned about. Barak had faith. Absolutely. His faith, number one, is that he was willing to lead an army. But I also believe his faith was demonstrated in this. That he wasn't concerned about recognition. 
He was just concerned about seeing God work, regardless of who got the credit. Look at chapter 5, verse number 1. Chapter 5, verse number 1. Then sang Deborah and who? Barak. This is a song. Hey, read the rest of it later. You know what this is? This is a duet. Praising God. You know what you, know what you don't see there? Then sang Deborah. And Barak was a little unwilling, but he finally got up there. You know what Barak was doing? He was praising God right along with Deborah. He was just lifting up hallelujahs to the almighty. God, thank you for delivering us. God, thank you for helping these families. Thank you for setting people free, setting people free from bondage. Thank you that I got to have a part. He was not the least bit concerned that he be recognized. He was just concerned that God be glorified and people be helped. Here's the statement. Faith isn't just a willingness to lead with courage. It's also a willingness to serve without recognition. Faith is not demonstrated only in a willingness to lead with courage. It is also seen in a willingness to serve over and over and over without ever being recognized. Because your faith is not in you receiving glory. Your faith is not in you being lifted up. It's in God. And your concern is not about your name being called. Your concern is about people being helped by the eternal God who loves you and loves them. And you don't care where you fit into that. You just want to be a part of it. And whether you're ever recognized individually, faith says, God, I just want you to receive the glory and I want people to be helped. Now, here's, here's the reality. And I believe this. I don't just say it. Because I believe that God is working. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I like it. Okay, if this is just a storybook of stuff that happened, and that God isn't really God, and he's not doing stuff anymore, you're wasting your time. Yes, you're right. Uh, you just might as well go home and hang out with everybody else on Sunday. But if that God is God... And he is still working and he is still delivering people and he is still giving people victory and he's still saving people and he's still changing people's lives. Man, there's some good stuff going on right now. And it was good back in the book of Judges and it's good here in Sioux Falls and it's good in Nampa, Idaho and wherever the work of God is going on on this continent or Africa, Asia, South America, anywhere else where people are in the name of Jesus Christ being preached. Man, the work of God is good. Mm, It's exciting. I'm pumped up about it. Hey, I was pumped up last Sunday. I was pumped up on Wednesday night. You know what I am now? I'm pumped up today. And it has nothing to do with where I am. It has to do with who God is. Because he's God in every generation. And he's working in every generation. And then he was working through the nation and the armies of Israel. And today he's working through his people that are assembled in local New Testament churches that have been bought by the blood and redeemed and saved to take his name everywhere people are. Man, I'm just telling you, God's working and you get to be a part of it. Good stuff's happening at Eastside Baptist Church. Hallelujah. Oh, it's wonderful. Amen. <sighs> You know what happens for that, work to, for that work to progress? You know what must happen? A lot of different people have to be involved. Deborah was involved. She had a critical part. The instruction from God about how this battle was to go down. 
had to be communicated clearly. Deborah's part mattered. Barak's part mattered. He had to go and assemble tribes. The tribal leaders of Naphtali and the other tribe, their part mattered. And then all of those thousands of men that came, their part mattered. And then the part that we read at the end of the chapter, jail, a wife who was willing to be attentive and in tune with the war that was raging around her was not going to allow her home to be used to aid and abet the enemy. Man, there's a message right there. But that woman was going to defend her home and as a result of defending her home was going to help win an entire war. Oh, mamas and wives, your work is important. Hallelujah. Mm. And there's thousands of names that are not mentioned. That were a part of that battle. Did you hear me? There are thousands of names. That were a part of that battle. That were critical to the success. That are not mentioned. Here's the truth. God is doing great stuff at Eastside. And there are hundreds. And can I. I don't think I'm exaggerating this. When you begin. I don't know that you ever do. But when you begin to break down everything that goes on to the most basic Detail. There are literally hundreds of thousands of things that have to happen for a church to function at a high level to where it can effectively communicate the gospel and reach people and disciple believers and carry on the life of a church. Hundreds of thousands of things have to happen, and it takes more than one man doing it. That's right. Yeah. Stuff's got to happen. Man, I met choir. I'm going to say it again. I'm proud of you. Great job. That happened because of a willingness to pay attention to details, like the detail of being on time for practice, like the detail of listening to the choir director, like the detail of his preparation, like the detail of how to open up, or open up your book and how to stand at the same time and how to follow the cutoffs and how to not let your S's drag out when you're singing a song. Are you with me? Oh, yeah, you know. Come on, I know about choirs. I was in a choir where he was directing. I got in trouble with him in a choir where he was directing. And there's, oh yeah, lots of times, man. He's no respecter of persons, especially of me when I'm goofing off in the back of a choir. Not that you would think I would ever goof off in choir practice. <laughs> man, the thousands of details. And I, you have a nursery and you have Sunday school classes. And I was talking to different teachers where my kids were today. And those classes don't just magically appear and people show up. There is preparation that goes into it. I was talking to Miss Rosalind today and she said this to me on the way out. She's like, be prepared tonight. Like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. Oh, you, that doesn't happen by accident. There are thousands of details that have to be attended to. People got to pay attention to the carpet. They got to pay attention to the bathroom. They got to pay attention to the sound and to the cameras and to the microphones and to the organ and to the piano and to all of these different things, detail after detail after detail has to be given attention in order for the work of God to be effective. And it's way more than one man can ever do. It's way more than one family can ever do. Right. Two things. Number one, you need to get on that train. Yes, amen. Mm, you need to get on that train. 
You don't just need to benefit from the train. You need to be contributing to the progress of the train. You don't just need to be enjoying the ride. You need to be taking some responsibility for the work and the detail that it takes to help keep the train that is Eastside Baptist Church moving. You need to be willing to say, I want to serve and not come with an agenda, but just say, is there a detail that I can help with? And when you hear about a sign-up sheet, man, I can run to Walmart or what at Sam's club I can is there a Sam's club here I can go to the grocery store I can get some things I can help out I can bear a few of those details so they're not all falling on one purpose on one person you don't just need to be on the train you need to be involved in helping the train move hallelujah you say I can't do much just do what you know you can praise the Lord get involved but then number two and this is the point you have to be willing to get involved without any promise of ever being recognized. Oh, let me be honest with you about this. Some people are going to get more recognition than others. And it has nothing to do with any bad or impure motive. Man, I want to be conscious of time. I'm trying to wrap this up, but... You understand that God gives different people different talents. Man, man, I, I loved watching Ashlyn, Alexandra play, Ashlyn, Audrey, and Caitlin sing. Uh, Olivia, if she wasn't in college, she'd be up there singing with them too. I love watching that. You know, you know why they have that? Well, they're lucky. No, God just chooses to give that to some people. That's what he does. And, and everybody doesn't have the same thing. And some people have things that God will use in a way that is a little more public. And some people have different skill sets that will be used in a little bit more private of a way. In a way that's not as noticeable to everyone else. But please understand this. Both the things that are publicly displayed and the things that must be done behind the scenes. They are equally critical to the work of God. Yes. Yep. It has nothing to do. With bad motives. Let's be honest about this. Man, no, wait, let me go back to that. Sometimes, sometimes we can think as people of God, well, they get recognition. They're just, they, they just like them. No, sometimes it just happens that way. Yeah, somebody needs to say amen to that. It's not some kind of bad motive. Number two, let's be honest about this. Recognition makes us feel good, doesn't it? And that's not bad. Man, I praise the Lord for this brother. I praise the Lord for this sister. I praise the Lord for Miss Rosalind reminding me I need to be prepared for tonight. <laughs> well, recognition does make us feel good, and it can also hurt. Be honest, it can, we can struggle with it sometimes when others are recognized, and you are not. And you know in your heart that you are, you are doing your very best to serve very faithfully, and yet your name has never been mentioned. That can be hard sometimes, can't it? Here's the problem when you allow that to drive you. You only work when you're recognized. You begin to slack off because you don't feel like you're getting the credit that you deserve. And as a result, less will be accomplished in the work of God than could be. And in eternity, you will have fewer and fewer reward because you were driven by the recognition of men, not the honor of Jesus Christ and the help of his people. Harry Truman said this, it's amazing what can be accomplished when you don't care who gets the credit. Look, recognition feels good and it's good. The Bible says, Jesus said, give honor to whom honor is due. But that cannot be the driving force for what we do. 
Let me ask you some questions. I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up. How do you respond when someone's name is called and yours isn't? What's your attitude? How do you act when your, your participation is seemingly unnoticed? And please, please recognize the word I used, seemingly unnoticed. Do you serve differently when you're being publicly recognized versus when you're not? It's amazing how much energy we can apply when we know a lot of people are watching. Do you apply that same energy when nobody is watching or you think nobody is watching? Let me, let me talk to parents for just a moment. Mom and dad, you are doing your child no favor if you demand their recognition all the time. You know what I'm learning about my children? God can lift them up whenever he wants to. He can choose to exalt them. He can choose to humble them. But he's taking them through their own process. And I don't need to be out here as their dad trying to force the issue. Nope, you're going to recognize this. No, I'm gonna, I, want, I want my children to be used of God. And it, whether that is private or whether that is public. And my children can tell you this. When it comes to serving at West Valley Baptist Church or any other church, they better be as energetic about obeying their youth director and helping to stack chairs as they are getting ready to sing a special in front of 300 people. And I'm not going to demand that my children be appreciated the way that I want them to be appreciated because I want them to live for something far more than a fleeting moment of their name being called. I want them to live for the eternal king and his kingdom. And you're getting in the way of your children when you're going around always demanding that they be recognized and valued. Can happen even in marriage. Serving for recognition, please get this, serving for recognition causes strife. Go, go and study the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Jesus. People identifying and breaking themselves up and wanting this man to be recognized over this man, comparing themselves among themselves. The point is not that no one should ever be recognized. The point is, how do you handle it when it's not you? What matters, what matters most to you? Is it that God's work gets done and that God's people are helped? Or is it that you be recognized like you think you should? Look, I just, this is a bummer. And this can happen. Man, uh, can I, I I'm, again, I'm just going to apologize for the time. I want to get this out though. I'm sorry. There, two Sundays ago, we had a guest. And man, it's, it's amazing when you see how God just aligns stuff. And there's, there's this dude sitting right around where Brother Ken is. And he's sitting with the family that, that brought him. And man, he's just locked in. I, 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 don't even, I barely even know his name. He's just locked in. And, and, and the message was designed for the... I mean, it just God just met it perfectly. And I can tell the Spirit of God is working. And he's locked in and he's under conviction. I'm like, ooh, man, his brother's about to get saved. He's going to become my brother. Oh, I'm loving it. This is good stuff. Well, right in the middle of the preaching, one of the children's workers comes out and grabs him. Now, as a pastor, I'm going bonkers inside. Figure it out! They're like, pastor, we tried to. I'm like, yeah, it happens. This is what was amazing. After he took care of his kids, he brought them back into the sanctuary. Listen to the message. He goes, then this next Sunday, we have a guest preacher ourselves. He's preaching. That, that dude raises his hand 
and get saved. Amen. Mm, you know what I was doing? I was sitting here in my pew. Good stinking night. This is ridiculous. I'm up there. Man, I am preaching the word. I am on fire. And man, that dude would have gotten saved under my message if it hadn't been interrupted by some children's workers. Okay, that's ridiculous. If that was my attitude, I don't deserve to ever preach anywhere ever again. And you know what? There are pastors with that attitude sometimes. You know what else? There are church members with that attitude sometimes. Instead of rejoicing over the fact that a sinner came to Jesus Christ and has eternal life, you're all fired up and bent out of shape because you're not being appreciated like you feel you ought to be appreciated. Instead of just saying this, and you know what I was doing? It's just rejoicing. God, thank you that I get to have any part in doing the work of God. Amen. You know what I wasn't doing that Sunday? I wasn't preaching. You know what I had been doing the night before? Begging God to meet Amen. with us. Amen. Begging God to work. Begging God to reach people that weren't saved. And whether it's public or private, I got to be a part of the work of God. And it doesn't matter whose name was called. What matters is, is that God was glorified and a sinner came to Jesus Christ. God wants to continue to do great things at Eastside Baptist Church. But you're going to have to have faith to serve without always being recognized. And you're going to have to have faith to serve and be okay with other people being recognized. Be more concerned with God's purpose and God's people than you are with personal recognition. Can I encourage you with this? Be thankful to have any part in the work of God. I pray this on a regular basis. I do. I've been praying this since I was a senior in Bible college, not knowing what I was doing. I was preaching. I was preaching to a first and second grade junior church every Sunday. I was working 40 hours a week on a night shift at Xerox. And I got on my face and poured out my heart and said, God, if this is all I ever get to do, you are worth my service to you. I don't deserve to do anything for him. And yet he chooses to employ me. I don't care if it's preaching a sermon or cleaning a bathroom, folding a bulletin, shaking somebody's hand, running a camera, working in the nursery, playing the organ, singing a part in the choir. I don't care what it is. And if all you can do is just get here and tithe and encourage other people and encourage your pastor, we are blessed to get to have any part in the work of God. Amen. Just be excited you get to be in it. Yes. And be in it all the way. Yes. And when somebody's name is called, rejoice with them. Remember this, that the recognition that matters most is yet future. That woman that was casting in the mites, you remember? Peter and all the other disciples are like, whoa, look at those big givers. And Jesus is like, no, no, you want to see the big giver? Look at her. And do you know her name? Nope, but you will one day. Uh Oh, yeah, because there's a whole lot of widows been casting in a whole lot of mites that God is keeping track of. And the recognition that matters most will come. But here's the last point. Once we get that recognition, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give it all back to him. Cast it at his feet and say it was never about us anyway. It was all about you. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Faith isn't just about doing courageous things. It's about consistently serving in in your area without ever being recognized. 
and being okay that God lets you have any part in his work. Amen. So what's your attitude about it? If this church is going to grow, I'm telling you, this can cause major strife if you're not careful. Yes. Brothers and sisters, as much as I can love a group of people without knowing you that well, I, I care about you because I care about God's work. This can cause so many rifts if you are not careful. What matters most to you, that your name gets called? Are you like Bill over here? I got to know what my stats are. Or do you just care about this? I want Jesus to have the victory. Every Sunday, I want him to be lifted up. Every Sunday, I want his work to go forward. And man, anytime a sinner comes down and gets saved, anytime believers take, make steps of progress, anytime we pick up a new missionary, anytime we reach a family, I'm just rejoicing that I get to have any part in that work. And I'm going to do my best to do my part until Jesus takes me home. Amen. That's faith. Yep. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Please forgive me for the length of the message. I didn't intend for it to be that long. But I hope that you'll, man, I hope if God has dealt with you that you'll respond to him. I, I don't, I have no idea where people are at individually. I just, I believe God is working in a lot of different places and this would be one of them. And this is something that if you, if you get a handle on it, you can have great victory in the days ahead. But if you don't, this could cause some serious strife and division down the road. And if you're struggling with it even a little bit, it'd be good to get to this altar tonight and say, God, would you help me to want to serve you for your glory and the good of people? Not for my own personal recognition. God, would you, would you please help me? To just have a heart that wants to serve you. Maybe you're in the depths of that kind of battle. Maybe you're not struggling with it. Praise the Lord for that. But maybe it'd be good to just come pray and say, God, I, would you protect our church from this? And would you help me to contribute to the unity? Because in the end, it's not about any single individual. It's about Jesus Christ alone. And him glorified. As the musicians begin to play let's all stand together if God has dealt with your heart you respond to him we want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com